You're listening to the Ifley Road Podcast, a series of informal chats with our friends from the world of sport, where we talk about fitness, lifestyle, running and more. So grab a coffee, kick off your trainers, relax and enjoy. Visit us at ifleyroad.com This episode comes to you from London's House of Sport, in the wonderfully named Lee Valley Velo Park meeting room. Over coffee there, we chatted with James Poole, founder of Advent Running and dedicated ultra runner. James had just returned from the 400km Gobi Desert Ultra, so he knew he'd have plenty of tales to tell. And James, how are you feeling back from Gobi? How have you recovered from that yet? Yeah, Gobi Desert, that was, I've been back uh, a couple of weeks. Right. The race, I think, was just over three weeks since the race but um yeah my, my legs were really swollen at the end of uh, the race and the next couple of weeks were quite were surprisingly bad but uh yeah i'm, not, I'm back not surprised and i'm sure we'll come and we'll talk a lot about Gobi later on i know cool. our, our listeners should be fascinated to hear about that but james i guess we first came across you through advent running so i wanted to start by just asking you know what was your thinking behind setting that up and and how's that gone over the years Advent running, I was, I mean, it never intended to be. I mean, it is, a, it is currently a, um, an online and physical running yeah. community, based across the UK, but mostly in physically in London. I never would have, you know, called it Advent running if it had ever been the case to create a running community. But it was launched in 2014 as as an actual uh, activation, if you like. But yeah. it sort of existed before that with a few okay. friends, where we would go out in December and try and continue to be active because we'd all get to January in previous years where we'd be running and cycling and triathlon and whatever and we'd be we'd have a December where we'd been stuck with Christmas parties and yeah. no one was complaining until the end yes. of January and then you've got no fitness and you have to start over again and so a few of us got together and we created this thing where you had to go and do activity for 30 minutes typically running because yes. it was just an easy way of doing yeah. it and then 2014 set up a Facebook page and brilliantly Kate Carter at The Guardian picked yes. it up and asked if I would write some words about it and next thing you know, it blew up and we had thousands of people around the world running doing some activity for 30 minutes and it yes. sort of blossomed and rolled on from there and now we have four physical runs a week in London yes. um, we're obviously getting we're in October so pretty soon we'll be going into the to the fifth year fifth iteration of uh, Advent running and, and hopefully more and more people will go out there and just try and do something in a month that is quite stressful and quite heavy on your time so the idea being create if you can do something in December when you're when you're when you're stressed and you're you're most time poor then January and the rest of the year should be relatively easy to try yeah. and fit in some activity it's all about sort of habit forming right? it, it is about habit forming yeah. and sometimes just taking some some time for yourself in the month when it's when often you you know you don't have much time but I think most people can find 30 minutes in their day to I mean even to the point of read a, read a book and I know we love running, so it's yeah. for us it's an easy thing to do. But actually, you know, these days mindfulness and some sort of mental health angle mm. to these things is actually worth considering. And you know, in that in that respect, maybe read a book for thirty minutes if that's what eases people's pressure on them. Then then do that. And uh, I mean, personally, I think people, you know, I think the benefits of going out and doing some activity, moving in some form, is is great. But I appreciate that you know, people need to start somewhere. Maybe. Finding 30 minutes is, is actually the most important part. And in fact, very much, and getting started really is a prompt into yeah. my next question, which is all around kind of running clubs and running clubs. Mm. They've changed so much since probably we started when it's very kind of traditional mm. running clubs. But now you've got, you know, you've got organisations like your own, you've got Good Gym, you've got Park Run. There's so much more variety. Um, 
What do you think one should look for in a running club if you think of joining one? I think it's a really exciting time to take up running because I think there's so much choice. And I think historically, maybe you know, when we, you and I started running, it would be a traditional running club. Exactly. And, and, I, th- and I think those, those have done an amazing job over the years to, to develop a performance mindset. But I'm not, I'm not sure everyone, I think the mass is perhaps don't always think about performance and they think about and maybe they shouldn't initially mm. maybe it should be about finding having the joy in doing something yes. rather than necessarily winning something or getting a t-shirt or medal and the rewards are actually greater than those things yes. i think you know i always say to people you're more than a number odd that you pin on your on your chest you're more than a medal and a finishing time and mm. i think things like good gym although good gym have a race team and they, yes. you know, they obviously cater for that are an amazing way of of actually doing something other than being the fastest. Yes. And I think that's you know much more fulfilling. Despite you know having personal goals to be a bit faster and a, run a bit longer, I do think that the, the thing that makes me so love running so much and so yes. excited running is actually not that. It's the the group, the the, the community that forms the, the the sort of belief that you can almost do anything, and driven by. The, you know, putting one foot in front of another. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree about the whole community side of it. And I think also, indeed, you, you combine beer and running, don't you? Isn't there some brewery-based running club? Yeah, and, and coffee. And I think, again, that comes sort of down to the fact that if we go out and run and we get a beer at the end, then as far as I've said, everyone wins. You know, mm. they, it doesn't really matter who's the first person back to the brewery, everyone gets the beer. And I think a lot of it has been, and rapid running has been built on this idea that run for something. Yes. And sometimes it's a time. And yes. sometimes it's a medal and sometimes it's a t-shirt, but actually a lot of the time it's run for something that isn't about the fastest person or yes. the longest runner. And, and, and that's, that's created us, I think, a community that has you know, fallen in love with running. And that's yes. our sort of motto is fall in love with running. And if that means go and run and get at the end and have a coffee with your friends, I think that's a, a, good, a good way to get in, mm. into uh, running, running and, and perhaps a more holistic way than, yes. and a, a way that can be more fulfilling, I think, than than running for a time because as we all know you can't get faster and faster forever at some point you reach either the limits of your own physical capability or the limits of the time that you can put in to train and at some point when you stop progressing and getting faster what happens I think people fall into these they fall out of love with running or they lose their mojo or whatever you want to do and it's often because it's actually impossible to go and, and continue to get quicker and quicker forever. If that's your one goal, then at some point you're going to be disappointed. But if your goal is to go out and enjoy it and enjoy the journey and meet people and get a beer and get a coffee and have some balance, then I think that's almost limitless. You can go on and do that forever. No. And, and I think it doesn't mean you can't train. And, and we have a lot of people who run sub-three-hour marathons in Evan Running. We have people mm. who run ultra-marathons. Mm. And, and I don't think it limits you to be better, faster, but I don't think it's necessarily the, the, the driver. Yes. Before the podcast, James, we were just chatting and you were telling me about this target of the Greater London Authority to get, mm. was it, a million people more active by 2020. Just from a running perspective, first of all, how running-friendly a city would you say London is right now? I think, again, a, a bit like the running communities, I think London is, the, is a great place. It's one of the most exciting places to run. You can run for free with two or three different groups every day in London, mm. which is amazing and, it, and also kind of crazy and I think that what that means is sort of going back to your original question yeah. I think there's a genuinely a running community or a running group for everyone here yeah and if you go back and what would you people should people look for mm. look for one where the people like you know you like the people and you look mm. forward to coming and if you look forward to coming and they're your friends and if you make friends there yes. then I think you come back and and often those friends might be you know that might be your 
like more like to be friends with people who want to run really fast. But I think there's just so much variety and so many opportunities to run that you know v- visit a few clubs, see how they uh, you know groups and see how they they work and find mm. something. And or go to five or six different groups. We yeah. have people that come with us on our Camden Town Brewery run on a Wednesday, mm. and I don't see them. That's the one run they do, and mm. I know they run with other groups. But then I have people who come to everything that we do, and I think that's just. The variety. Yeah, and find, find out what club works for you. And what works with your schedule and, and people have busy lives. So, you know, if you can only do Mondays and Wednesdays, there's probably, there's definitely us on a Wednesday, but there's loads of opportunity on a Monday too. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's exciting and I think um, it's unusual. And I've travelled around a fair amount of the world and right. been to lots of running and I think it's probably the most advanced and the most okay. um, developed sort of running community, community environment in, uh, in the world, I would think. I'd love now to come on to the um, your, your recent Gobi yeah. Desert Marathon and there's an amazing picture on your Instagram feed that port of you at the end of the race yeah. and just the kind of look in your eyes phenomenal just take us through take us through the, the whole experience really so yeah I mean it was it was, was an amazing experience it's, it's um, I'm still sort of trying to get my yeah. head around it and I'm trying to put some words on paper but it's, yeah. it's not proving very easy because it was such a uh, an overwhelming experience at times so the, the race is um, 400 kilometers roughly mm-hmm. it ended up being 409 in reality plus a bit of bit of extra for going wrong and um, self-navigated self-supported in the Gobi Desert on the Silk Road um, so it's in a very important part of the world it's a very important part of China because yes. it's the gateway to from the, re- the west really yes. um, and certainly central Europe into China yeah. um, and a lot of over the thousands of years a lot of uh, caravans a lot of goods have passed through that particular mm. area so it's Dunhuang which is where the race started yeah. and finished is a very important part in for China and there's a lot of people it's a big tourist area a lot of tourists go there to see sort of the origins yeah. of, of that area of the, of the, of the world the race, start, the race starts it's a sort of a, almost a loop you get bussed out to the start but it's not all that far from, from the finish and then it was a case of it was, a, it was six and a half day cut off the clock doesn't stop, so it's a yes. single stage. So if you sleep, the clock continues to tick over. It's unlike something like a marathon de Saab yes. where you run a certain yeah. distance and you have somewhere to sleep yeah. until the next day. Um, we just carried on. So what running. kind of sleep regime did you allow yourself? Oh, I had, you always go in these things with like an idea. I think you need to have a plan when yeah. you start. Oh, knowing that the plan probably goes out the window in the first in the first day or so. But my plan was to sleep, do 100k, and have a sleep. Yes. And I wasn't I wasn't sure how long I would sleep. I mean, Dan Lawson, um, who's an incredible runner, won it last year on, on an hour's sleep. And an hour's sleep for the whole race. He did 71 hours oh last goodness. year, which was uh, incredible. But I, and, and Dan is a much, much better runner than me, so I didn't have any expectations of yeah. doing one hour's sleep. But I was, I was thinking maybe I'd run 100k, sleep a little bit, run 100k, sleep a little bit, and see. Yes. The reality was I got to 100k, and it was the middle of the day still, and I yes. felt pretty fresh, and I pushed on. And, yeah. and, and then everything went... You know, went a bit pear shaped, and the t- the terrain was was challenging, very uneven. Yes. Yeah. Not really like a desert like you'd think with the Sahara Desert and miles and miles of sand dunes. Yeah. Much more broken rock. Every footstep is uneven, but not particularly soft. So quite a hard ground. Right. Challenging uh, and ch- and challenging, and we had to navigate as well. So we, yeah. we were using uh, handhelds and watch based uh, um, you know, Garmin's and yeah. and Suntos and with, yeah. with mapping capability. Um, but it, from, the challenge really was that the race started at about 2,000 meters and went over wow. 4,000. So we also had this combination of self-navigation, these long stretches of, yeah. of almost featureless 
you know, there's hills around you, but there's not a whole lot else to see and scrublands and small bushes and things. And, and even just taking a straight line could be quite difficult because you have to weave around various things. I guess it's not a great sort of safe net. You had to be totally self, self-reliant. self The race organisers were amazing and, and, and they were very focused on, on safety. So we yes. all had a, a Jeep, a trucker. Right. Um, we also had sat phones. So we, in case we got into emergency, we could we, we could call up and get support. They always there were people who went off course. Fortunately, I didn't go off course much, but yeah. they would send out a car, literally, and drive out and say, "Look, you're a long way off course. You know, is there a problem?" Yeah. Because obviously, you don't want people out in the desert. Then there's no there's no water out there, and, and for too long on their yes. own um, without assistance. But the, the, I think the, ch- the challenge was with both this out, you know with the altitude was. The fact that you're out, you know you're out there on your own, and yeah. and and actually it was very cold. So it would be right. 30 degrees in the day, which is very warm. Uh, but at night it would drop to minus five, and then the winds would pick up. So the yes. winds were coming off the Tibetan plateau, off the Himalayas, and they would literally cut you like a knife. So did you have a little tent, or did you bivouac? No. So we, we I mean, you had to have a load of mandatory kit, as you'd expect, yeah. so a lot of down jackets and things. And they mm. would provide every 45 kilometres would be a a proper camp, okay. almost a military feel right. to the camp, military yeah. tents. And there, there will be a, a floor to sleep on. Yeah. So you could sleep. I mean, you could sleep every 15k because there'd be a checkpoint. Um, but there were literally tents on the floor. And then every 45k, it roughly, there'd be a more substantial base where you could get hot water and cold water. They only provided mm-hmm. hot and cold water. We would have drop bags. Right. Where you could uh, in 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 all of the points in all of the main rest points where we there'd be food and things in there. You'd put your own noodles and expedition yeah. foods. But it was a t- it was a super tough race. I, had, I would, I've never hallucinated so much in my life. I saw frozen lakes and boats and all sorts of crazy things that really? didn't that never existed, wow. um, just from tiredness and yeah. fatigue. And yeah, and I I'm, I'm literally wore at some point times everything I'd packed. Yes. You know, you thought a thing with mandatory kit that you'll have you'll have some things just in case. Yes. I, w- I was cold and I had two down jackets on and a down gilet and tights and and I, there was people out there running with their sleeping bags over them oh, at night because to keep warm. Brutal. Yeah. And it, it, but it was also amazing, and the feeling of a, you know accomplishment when you get 409 kilometres into a race yeah. and you run through this ancient town and you cross the finishing line is quite something. And that's what I've sort of struggled to get sort of a, a head around because it's easy just to move on to the next thing yes. and the next race or the next you know back to the office and yes. yeah, Still you're trying to kind of reflect yeah. in some ways. And you sort of you know, the, the camaraderie between. Both the Chinese athletes and, but also the international guys. We were mm. there was only five or six international runners, and we you know, I think found quite a close bond, even yeah, though we were sure. really competing against yeah, each other, yeah. but also willing each other on to get to the end and to to finish. And I think the, the photo on my Instagram page shows you know the, the effects of that of four, four days out yeah. in the desert does to you, and uh, it's not you know it's a, in the days of Instagram where everyone puts highly curated photos, everyone looks great. I mean that's. That was be pretty more real, honest. that one. Yeah. It couldn't be more honest, and it was taken... Uh, there's, t- there's a couple there. Um, the, my actual profile photo was taken in the desert with about mm-hmm. 10 hours to go, mm-hmm. um, and I've got cracked lips and my face is burnt, and the one that's on my profile, uh, my Instagram uh, page now is the next morning, but just, uh, yeah. I mean, the, one of the guys, Nathan Montague, who's, a, yeah. again, a fantastic runner, mm-hmm. um, and probably a fairly well-known in the running community, he, I, couldn't, I didn't even recognise him. He wow. looked like he lost so much weight... He, uh, his face, his cheeks were all sucked in. Yeah. He, he went through the ringer. Goodness. But going back to the, the positive, so is the one kind of moment or period of the race which stands out as a real high spot for you? Yeah, I, I, 
probably the, it's always funny the low spots seem to be more memorable than yeah. the high spots potentially yeah but I, I mean just seeing and there's a lot just seeing some people you recognise you've been you're out for so long mm. and I'm listening to podcasts funny enough on my phone there's no there's no one around so you just listen yeah. to the speakers out there you know on your phone's blaring crackling yeah. away but they're just just the, you know suddenly the interaction with real people again yes. and you've been out for eight or nine hours and you haven't seen anybody you do feel a bit sort of remote and a bit lonely and then you come in and I, I was fortunate that I'm right well we're doing a, a written slash um, photo story for Red, right. Red Bulletin right. it comes out in April next year and so I was really fortunate to be out there with a good friend and yeah. an amazing photographer James Carnegie and so I would see he would be there to capture effectively my the degradation of my of my physical uh, state and mental state I guess but um, over the course of the, of the time it took me mm-hmm. so I would see him and it would be you know, a great a great thing to see someone that you recognize and someone who's your friend mm-hmm. and I probably you know it probably gave me a bit of an advantage over some people who didn't but also the um, the race the race organizer um, Pavel Toropov who's yeah. again a friend of mine and so it was great to see you know that the sort of high point is just that it's that simple pleasure of, of seeing someone that you know yeah. and it's funny how these things sort of debase you to this sort of the only things that are important to you is moving mm-hmm. eating and sleeping and keeping warm and suddenly that's your life and there is no social media there is no yeah. television there's no you know social life you just have this goal which is to get from the start to the finish in one piece it's and stripping things back to the yeah. basics isn't it and you have no routine it's, and I, I kind of like it in a, de- in a mm. world where we have a lot again a lot of pulls on our, on our time you literally you don't uh, days don't become days you sleep mm. when you're tired you eat when mm. you're hungry you move forward relentlessly mm. and if someone had said to me I'd been out there for seven days I could have well believed them because you just don't you know, you, obviously if you thought about it hard you'd say well I, you know, it didn't get dark that much yeah. but, but actually everything just sort of merges into one and it becomes this yeah this onward pursuit of, of the, you know, the finish line yes. which I actually find quite refreshing um, and you mentioned perhaps semi-jokingly um, your mental degradation I remember in our, our first podcast um, James Beckinsale a very successful um, Olympic coach talked a lot about mm. the the kind of the mental aspects of, of, of sport really what kind of mental challenges did you face throughout the Gobi? I think well I mean the, the sleep deprivation is one that, yeah. that, that really really messes with you, you know, I, as I said I, on the second day I genuinely thought I was on standing on a frozen lake and, and I was having to navigate around these boats and walk over piers and jetties and bridges and obviously they didn't exist and that makes you know that level of and on one level, did you kind of half know they didn't exist? or what, what Sort it of, like? it was, yeah. I mean, it, it, you're just not cl- thinking, clearly. Yeah. And at that point, and I think particularly in ultra-marathons, but also in, in shorter distances in marathons, you know, good, making good decisions yes. is so important to having a good race. And at that point, you, just, you can't make good decisions. And, that's the thing, and, then, you, and then things happen that, that you don't expect. So because you, know, you choose to do something without really thinking about it. When, you've got, when you're fully aware... Yeah. Mm. You know, you say, "Oh, this is." You, know, you, you realize that you need to do something, yeah. but when you and, and that and that probably becomes the most. And then people get in more trouble. So Nathan's a good example. I think he, you know, he had slept less than me. He was ahead of me in the race, and his GPS started to malfunction. Right. But because he was so tired, he, you know, he didn't realize it was malfunctioning and was following this thing wildly off route. And then his, you know, when he did realize, his decision making was perhaps, and he would even admit he didn't really know what to do. But if you were less tired and you yes. then so you, it sort of it sort of escalates 
you, know, you, you go there with the sort of idea that you remind, remind yourself that it, you know when you're in a low patch it always gets better and you can you can sort of play those tricks on yourself yes. but I think the tire, once you get that tired that level of fatigue it's it's really hard to to overcome that you know that make yeah. those right the good decisions that get you to the finish line quicker or just make things a bit more pleasant and it's a tricky one it's yeah. a really tricky one but I think that's part of the challenge is yes. to you could you could generally do that race I think in six and a half days and and sleep five, five or six hours a night and still complete it yes and I think that would be a very different experience and, and not necessarily a bad one because you could generally say I'm going to run 60 to 70k a day yes. and I'm going to sleep a full night and yeah. in the cold when it's cold and actually have a you know an amazing experience as and well that's probably totally valid too yeah, yeah. and I, I think it, it, these things tend to become I think about finishing yes rather than racing yeah there's a few guys so the guy who won um, won the Hong Kong 100 this year so he's an incredible racer those the Chinese guys at the top three were, were racing Nathan was racing yeah. I was just trying to get myself to the end I ended up coming fifth which was well, which yeah, was I was going to say you're very than, modest coming fifth there's no mean well, achievement at all yeah and I was thrilled to be fifth but I, you know if, if Nathan had come up on my shoulder with 10k to go I would have been like see you mate see you at the finish line it's all yours because I didn't have I didn't have anything left at that yeah. point and um and there was just a little bit of a worry, because you know, I knew he was behind me, and I knew if he if he saw me, he would be gunning. But it, it didn't happen in the end. But he, um, it's definitely a, you know about was about the finishing and the experience rather than the getting on the podium. Yeah. No, it just sounds incredible, and I know it's always it's not your first ultra. Are there any other ultras or mountain races that really stand out in your memory? Oh, I mean lots, and and um, you know obviously Western States was was kind of my right. second hundred mile race, and. And it is still is one of the most my, my fav, my favorite races, just yes. because the support for that race is incredible. It's been it's the uh -huh. first ever hundred mile race. It's been around for a long time, and, yes. and I think it it's prestigious for for so many good reasons. And just you, you know, I remember coming out of Forest Hill, and you come sort of come out of the canyons, and it, in yes. your eyes, and you, it was dark. It was it was dark in amongst the trees, and you come out, and you sort of bleary eyed into this into this area where where all the people are supporting and. You know they're cheering you so loudly. You for a second you will question whether you're winning. You know, are you leading this race? Because that's yeah. how you feel. It's yes. like, um, it's it's an incredible race. But but so many. I mean, I did run Spartathlon in 2016, and that in itself is just a, an amazing race. It's the mm. it's the world championships for for road ultra running, and and some of the greatest runners ever who ever lived, ultra runners have ever lived, have yes. run there. And, and but it's brutal. You know, running yes. on the roads for. For 153 miles um, in the heat, and but you then but then you know there's kids come out of their houses and yeah. high five you, and they yeah. get they get left off. They have an afternoon off school, so they can stand on the road and cheer you. And in the last few kilometres, kids are giving you flowers, and it's yeah, it's it's incredible. And I've been blessed to be able to uh, to go out and do some of these races and have these experiences. So, you know, so many great experiences. Yeah. I mean, it's really inspirational hearing you talk about this. Um, and I'm a sort of 20 mile a week guy at best, you know, juggling my running rounds at job and family, as I'm sure many of our yeah. listeners are. What advice would you give, you know, a, a novice, a kind of fun runner, you know, if they wanted to to try an ultra? I, and I think that I think they're infinitely possible for everyone. I really right. do think. I think 100 miles is the kind of iconic okay. ultra distance because it's where it, it's sort of where it started in things like Western States right. and, and Hard Rock, and I think those are the sort of marquee races. But obviously, 50k is also an yes. ultra, and, and people rush. I don't think we need to rush into doing 100, 100 miles. I think with all of these sorts of things, marathon included, yes. there's a sort of level of of sacrifice involved, 
and, and, and you know, depending on how much you, how bad you want it, yes. depends a little bit on how much you're willing to sacrifice. There's a lot of people, guys, in Avon Running who have been through this this process and they've started doing five Ks and they've been inspired to do longer. Yes. And there's no rush. There's not going ultra ultra running and marathon running is not just suddenly going to disappear in in next year. And it takes time. And I think mm. to do it to do it and enjoy it takes some time mm. to get to the mm. point where you're doing enough miles a week to to be there, able to complete it and and have a good experience. Because ultimately, if you're not going to have a good experience with it, just doing it to tick a box. Do something that you really enjoy. Yes. I mean, I, 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 honestly, I see there's some people who you know, who sign up for marathons. They hate the 12 weeks of training. They hate the race. And then I, I do sort of wonder whether they should just do something they love. Life's yeah. too short. Do something yeah. that you really want to do, rather than something that you feel that you ought to. You know, long-winded way of answering the question. I think I think these these things are completely anyone's completely capable. Yeah. It's just about building it up slowly. There's a, there's a girl who runs an app and running, Emma Hancock, and she'd be embarrassed for me to say her name, but she's, I've known her for six or seven years. Mm-hmm. And I remember six, seven years ago, her doing her first 5K and being excited about it. And over the, over the last six or seven years, she's quietly, slowly put in the training and, she's, and she runs a lot, but she yes. doesn't really talk about it. She's sort of quietly mm-hmm. um, ticking away at things. And this year I was had a real honor of running um, the last 25 miles of uh, South Downs Way 100 with her. And she's been a real integral part of Advent running and, mm. and, and quietly just motivating and inspiring people because yes. she's just doing it without any fuss, without any, um, you know, without any bells and whistles. Mm. That's a really great sentiment um, to close on. Um, but James, we always have a final question in our podcast, um, which is asking you uh, who really inspired you to get into running in the first place? Um, it's a bit cliched, but I, mean, I, I, was, I was grew up in the era of cram, Yes. Ovet, Sebco, on, on TV, mm. and so those 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 mile races that were on like at five pm on a Sunday afternoon or something were were probably the the, the sort of hero runners at the time. I've never been a one mile fifteen hundred meter runner. I'm not good enough, but but that and I think and a, and a school I went to where I have an AC was my first running club, right. um, where there was elite athletes there, but also teachers who we used to run probably too far for our age when we were you know eight or nine years old yeah. at lunch times with the teachers and so it's been that and it's been a lot sort of lifelong yes. passion and although there was a period in my 20s when I didn't really do much running it's always sort of been there in the background and so a combination I guess of good teaching some heroes and then I guess a good environment for you know running living living in London living outside of London as well and just being out in the countryside yeah James, it's been such a, such a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you for coming Thanks, to the Bill. podcast. Thanks, Bill. So I'm Bill Byrne. And I'm Claire Kent, and we're the co-founders of Ifley Road. To find out more about Advent Running, visit their Facebook page. And if you want to follow James's ultra adventures, he's on Instagram as James D. Poole. To find out more about Ifley Road and our full collection of running and fitness wear, visit ifleyroad.com.